And we got another one. I was just talking to Rory um, before he came on, Andy. Um, we did a podcast like two weeks ago and uh, like just before U.S. Raw Nationals. And when he came on, I'm like, oh, my God, I haven't talked to you and ever on one of these, eh? And it's like, wow, we talked like two weeks ago, bro. And I'm like, I've done so many of these podcasts. It feels like longer because, you know, because I hadn't seen him. We hadn't done a, a co-hosting podcast together in, in a minute. But, uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of champions and a lot of, a lot of fresh faces, um, mm-hmm. some returns and new people coming up with their, you know, everyone's got a background story to tell, right? And yeah. um, so it, it's it's been a wild one. And how were you feeling coming off of your U.S. Raw Nats victory in the 52 kilo class? I feel I'm feeling really good. I'm ex- I was excited to get back to work like almost immediately. It's my first week back of training. I'm kind of dying, um, wobbling down the stairs. But I'm, I'm super excited to start training for Sweden if if it happens. It'll happen. Yeah. It'll happen. We got this. Don't worry. I know. <laughs> it's gonna happen. I know it's it's funny how um it's weird. Whenever you get like the turnaround actually is pretty big, first off. Like 12 weeks is not or 13 weeks or whatever is not a big turnaround. It's enough, but mm-hmm. it's not it's not huge. Um, but it's always funny how like you could peak for a competition, like you were never stronger than on that day. You're like, oh my god, things are really rocking and rolling. And then once you come off that competition, you're like, you and you're right back to the beginning of a volume block. And you're like, holy moly, it's, a, it's what a week can do. Yeah, Max has me doing this bridge block right now where it's like, you'll do 72.5% for 24 reps and you get 60 oh. second rest. I'm like, oh, come oh on, my. man. God, that's, that's horrible. Yeah. That, that sounds, yeah. Did what you upset him in the car ride home or something? What happened? <laughs> I, he, he I guess a... so. He's like, <laughs> I'll text... teach you to never miss a third deadlift again. That's right. <laughs> You're texting like, did I offend you at some point? Uh, <laughs> because this is, um, yeah, that's almost CrossFit style. That Holy moly. And I forgot. Yeah, you're with Juggernaut. That's right. Uh, no, I'm not. Oh, they're not? Okay. I thought that, no. I thought Max was Juggernaut and everything. No. So Max Max does work for Juggernaut, but my husband and I um, hired Max through his gym, not oh. through Juggernaut. Yeah. Got you. Well, I'm glad you had said that because I think we might have in other previous shows have referred to you as a Juggernaut athlete then, but I'm glad we cleared that up. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. So um, for those at home who aren't aware, that's Max Ida, the weightlifting slash powerlifting coach. And did I did I see somewhere that uh, you you also work with his wife? Is it jo- Joanna? Uh, Joanne, yeah. Oh, Joanne, sorry. Uh, yeah, Joe. Uh, so she's always there when we go up for in person in person sessions, and she's just always been super supportive, provides feedback, um, but Max does my programming and most of my coaching. Nice. So leading into this uh, US Raw Nats, and the 52 kilos usually pretty competitive. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of competitors and, and usually, I mean, it's, it's US Raw. US Raw Nats is obviously the hardest nationals to win, um, to get through and make the world team through the US, holy freaking smokes. It's, uh, it's a tough one. And in the 52 kilo class, you have world champions like Marissa Inda. Um, you have a Tino Tornado, who's a, a perennial contender, constantly taking medals. Um, it's, it's a stacked class. What were your hopes there going in there? Were you 
paying attention to the, the lifts that they're hitting on Instagram? And are you following them or what were your expectations? Going into this year? Yeah, U.S. Ron Nassau, one that just passed. Uh, so I, I was paying pretty close attention up until about two months out because then I start getting crazy with it. I'm like checking a couple times a day, like, hey, you know, has Marissa posted anything? What did Tina post? So before competitions, I've started taking an Instagram break for the most part, which is why everyone was asking why I went silent right before mm. Raw Nats. And I delete the app off my phone. So oh. I, I couldn't check what everyone else was doing. <laughs> you, uh, you did the approach like take those donuts right out of the house. I can't, I can't even have them in the cupboard. I'm going in. If I see them, you deleted the app right off the phone. I mean, it's, you're not the only one, you know, I I've had a lot of lifters on here. Some people will go the route where they just like, don't follow specifically don't follow certain people or turn off the notifications for certain people. And mm -hmm. then it's like, but even then people talk about it in their social media or like obviously King of Lifts is repo. It just, it's going to find its way on your feed. Yeah, so, or you'll go back and I'll just type in their name in the search. Like, I just want to look really quick. <laughs> Let me just see. What are they yeah. up to? One little, one little peak won't hurt, right? Right. Well, throw me off. It is. It's. Uh, how did you feel even just period not having social media in your life? It's always really, it's really good. It's really nice not to be checking on anyone's page and it, gives me an opportunity just to feel good about my lifting. I was hitting lots of rep PRs. I hit, I think PRs in every single lift in the peak leading up to nationals. And if I'm not focusing on what the other women are doing in my weight class, it just gives me the chance to be proud of what I'm doing. It's, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a saying that's almost become cliche now, but it is super true where comparison is the thief of joy, where like you, you feel good until just like you said, I, I, I felt like I got a victory here. I got a PR and that's good for me. And then you look at someone else and you're like, oh, well, and it's like, no, like there's a bigger mm -hmm. picture. And, and even, even if it wasn't like in terms of powerlifting, you have to build a total. So sometimes when you you know, compare your bench to like Jamie Fisher's a monster bench or whatever. Shit. Like, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, a shit. exactly. And you could be like, oh, well, but no, but building a total, she has, she got a monster bench, but you have your qualities as well. Not everyone's like going to be the best in all three, you know? And mm -hmm. um, like even Taylor Atwood might not be number one in all three events, you know, like that, that's not the way it always goes. And then certain people have big days or, you know, some people even have like their triples are extremely high. So then you start doing the math on where their single might be, but guess what? Their triple doesn't transpire into the single, just like, like yours does with the same ratio. Right. So if you're like, well, if their triples, this, that means their singles probably that not for them though. You know, it's mm -hmm. usually a little tighter than that. So like it does mess with your head. You overthink things. It's just the way we are. Yeah, for sure. And I think especially with women, we're just more likely to be good at that rep work. But, you know, you see you know, Jamie Fisher busting out, you know, a 102 and a half for, you know, a set of, what was she doing? Like sets of three, sets of four. I'm like, damn, what is she going to bench? Which, yeah. I mean, her bench is still crazy, but yeah. sometimes for women, even for myself, the rep work is misleading. 
100%. I've noticed that. I think we talked, have we ever talked about a study like that, Rory? I know we've talked maybe um, offline. I don't know if we talked about it on a podcast, but I, I can't remember if... Uh, we touched very lightly on it and the um data-driven strength one i think data, but, yeah. but like it was not not the topic of conversation kind of mentioned in passing yeah and and it's something that you have to take into account especially if you're a coach where when you're prescribing reps and you're prescribing like rep ranges for like different athletes even weight class athletes like how you're going to train um a male 120 120 plus and then how you're going to train you know a taylor atwood who's half their size completely different with intensities and then what you can expect through rep ranges from certain athletes and how that goes onto the platform just like you just said it's entirely different so it can really only through like uh either you do a lot of investigating or you've been around the block enough times but it can really mess you up especially and when you were did you hop on to post every now and then um i did the last thing that i remember posting was a four rep max for squat, I think. But once we started getting into the home stretch of like the last month with doubles and singles, I wasn't posting anything. Um, because I, I mean, this is ironic that we're having this conversation, but Tina Tornado was on the podcast and she said, I saw Andy Riley's four rep and she, you rattled her and exactly what you said you were trying to avoid you did to her and she's like holy smokes man what is happening right now and it's funny because that's exactly what you did when you post that and it can work um you know you want to give people like you appreciate the support so you sometimes people feel like i want to give my supporter something and you know mm-hmm. and also it's good to be proud of your accomplishments and whatever right so you post on the flip side, and it could get into somebody's head. So, hey, if they're going to come over and check and they're going to be a little rattled, let them be rattled, right? <laughs> or mm-hmm. let them do the math in their head. What does a four rep max convert into a single? Like, who knows? But um, yeah. so sometimes that helps. On the flip side, sometimes you want to play your cards close to your chest anyways and let them not know. Just mm-hmm. who knows where I'm at. I know Taylor Atwood slid in my DMs a couple times leading into this, and he's like, take a look at this lift. And I was like, holy smokes, Taylor, can I post that? He's like, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you dare. Exactly. Oh, Leah, Leah does that as well, right? She um, like records like her second or third to last warm up or something and like posts that on Instagram. And uh, just like, oh, this is, this is what I did today. Yeah, Leah Babwa of France. Um, but yeah, so I understand what you mean, but training was going well. Like this is, you didn't have any injuries or anything like that leading into these nationals? No. Yeah, everything was great. I had the best peak ever. Um, I finally hired someone to do my weight cut. I had the best weight cut ever. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's why I was pretty disappointed with the way the day actually went. Really? But, Whoa, yeah. you're dis- no kidding. Mm-hmm. Do you want to um do you want to talk us through the way that the day went? Yeah. Uh so I woke up. Um, you know, I was underweight. I was underweight enough to eat a little bit and that's never happened before, which was super cool. So, uh, I ate a little bit and I was, I was feeling great going into squats. And then I don't know if you guys saw, if you watched the live stream or the recorded, but my first squat, I came up a lot faster than I was expecting. So I popped out of the hole fast 
and I lost my balance. And so I stepped back before I got the rack mend. Mm. And it's funny, my mother-in-law recorded it. You see me rack it and I drop a big old F-bomb. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just, uh, going, going for a walk with 150 kilos. Yeah. No okay. fun. It's not, it's, I mean, the toughest thing is when you show up at a big competition, Nats, nationals and worlds and whatnot, like, and you're, you feel the tension, half of the battle initially is making weight and then recomp after that, getting, you know, the rehydrated food, whatever you need, cause you got to max out. So you got to have, and then, yeah. um, so there's a lot of anxiety in that. And then when you're warming up, you're looking around the room and you're seeing all the, the best lifters in a the nation there. And, and mm-hmm. Meg Scanlon, who, who's, or sorry, uh, well, not Mexican, that's a 57, but, uh, you know, um, Inda, sorry, who is a world champion as well. So you, you have like world class as well in there. And um, they say the tension, once you get the first one out the way, you're rocking and rolling, the ice is broken, and there's nothing quite like missing the first lift where you're like, ah, instead of like the deceleration, all right, we're moving, let's go, keep it moving, the day has started, you're like, well, fuck. that's my day it had literally never happened before never in training on the platform I've never missed my first squat so I mean of course I went into panic mode and Max was like you don't take this for granted yeah this is easy for you but go and squat it so you know we fixed it we're able to go up to 155 for my third. Wasn't what I was hoping to hit. Wasn't what we were planning to hit, but kind of have to take what the day gives you. At this point, are you like, are, are you keeping track of what other people are doing? Are you keeping track of what the other lifters are doing? Are you totally like Max, take the wheel and trying to not pay attention to the scoreboard? I've gotten a lot better at it, but I did check the scoreboard. I know I definitely went in at the beginning to see what everyone was opening with. Fair. And then I think after squats, I was kind of pissed off. And so (laughs) I I sat in my chair when they told me to. Really? It's um. like, were you, what were your thoughts? Like, were you thinking like, man, I might've just tossed this. There's nothing worse than, I've done this, have an amazing prep and fumbled the ball. And you're like, mm-hmm. it couldn't have been better. Like you walk in there with expectations. Like I'm about to open this present in front of everybody. I can't wait to let. And then if the taste starts off wrong, you're like, holy smokes, man. It's tough to not have an emotional attachment. Like were you almost like, and here's, here's another thing. Tell me if this is how you, if you felt this at times as well. Negative emotions have momentum. And then positive emotions have momentum. So when you you have a negative emotion initially, it's hard to snap out of it and be like, come on, man, day's not over and I got to turn this around. Like, let's go. Yeah, absolutely. When I missed the first squat and then when I made 155, I, of course, I was happy. But, you know, I was like, fuck, what if it's not enough? You know, what if I needed those extra five kilos? Because, you know, obviously at that point, we didn't know that Marissa was going to pull out. I didn't know that she had missed her third squat. Mm. Um, you know, so there's a lot of things going through your mind. And, you know, when you guys were doing the, what did, what did you call it? The, not the March Madness. That was two white lights. No, we, we did a preview show. The preview show. Uh, and you guys were doing, not your fantasy league, your fantasy yeah. league. 
Um, I would get pissed at Rory for saying, well, Marissa is the more seasoned athlete, you know, she's going to take it. But reflecting back on the day now, I'm like, okay, I get it. I, <laughs> I didn't have that mentality that I know the more like, you know, um, Marissa, Heather, you know, everyone that's competed at an international level, they've had that practice for so many years. And so I was like, okay, maybe he was right about that <laughs> one thing. It is, it is, um, did you pick Inda, Rory? Oh, no, 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 I picked Andy. Oh, I think I, was it Aaron? I, uh, oh, Wait a was minute, maybe he's, I think he's fucking turning his story right now. No, it was Rory. It was Rory, that son of a bitch. Look at him. Look at on this post-it <laughs> note right here, you see it says, squirming. Andrea Riley. Yeah, that's a new post-it note, bud. That's a new post-it oh, yeah, I, I drew this up just now. Yeah. You drew that up um, before you came on here. Like, this might come up. So I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna start making fake evidence, fraudulent evidence. I don't believe it. Um, I, think I, the, I think the other thing that I said was that Marissa ended up misses squats, um, which which is exactly what ended up happening. But but to Andy's point, um, you're right that like, like experience makes everything easier. The more times you cut weight or water cut or anything – it gets easier and easier, even mentally, right? And the more times you're, people don't, sometimes we have a way of like underestimating how you're actually going to feel when you show up there and think it's just weightlifting. What's the difference between US Raw Nats and a local meet? There's a big difference. You have podcasts all over the world doing preview shows with thousands of listeners. And I could see the downloads mm -hmm. are like people on Asia, people across Europe are listening to these it's so like, oh, I'm glad I'm like, that expression in your face. I'm glad I didn't tell you beforehand, <laughs> but you're like, what? But um, would have put more pressure on you, but it is different. So when you show up and you've done all this peaking and you realize how many people are actually in on this, and then the day starts unraveling, not like you planned. And mm -hmm. again, the negative emotions, like I got to turn this around. It's almost like when you get woken up before your alarm goes off and you're like, I have to go back to sleep. I can have another hour, but you fucking mm -hmm. can't. It's that hard. People are just, yeah. do it. well, have you ever tried to go back to sleep and you can't, it's not as easy as just do it. Like it's hard to explain to people if they haven't been in there. So when you're at a competition, it isn't as easy as like, just fluff it off, keep it moving. Like you're, you're emotionally invested and things, right. you know, it, it takes yeah. experience. Definitely. And I think uh, you and Jasmine had talked about this. You asked her if it relieved some pressure that anyone, everyone was picking Danny to win the weight class. And she said that, yeah, you know, it was kind of cool to go into it thinking, you know, I'm just going to do what I can do. And this was the first year that anyone like had ever noticed me in the weight class, you know, it was always Marissa and Tina. And, you know, of course they're, they're the superstars of the weight class. So at the, it was cool to finally hear my name on some podcasts, you know, have people say that I was going to dethrone Marissa, but at the same time, it, I put a lot of pressure on myself. Yeah. So, I could yeah. see that for sure. It would be mm -hmm. tough. Um, do you talk, do you talk to, do you any kind any mental prep or do you talk to people about, you know, the pressure or anything like that? I talked to my husband about it. Um, but I just recently started, started working with a sports psychologist. So I'm going to be working with him up through, uh, Sweden and probably after Sweden. Gold. But, yeah. Um, no, no pun intended. Whoa. Look at that. <laughs> um, the, uh, um, 
because going back to Steffi Cohen, um, talking about the Kern, which she did a phenomenal job at Kern. Um, she leading into that, she actually bombed twice big meets. I think she bombed at a Kern, maybe even twice at a Kern, or it was a different meet, but bombed in very high profile competitions and um, was rattled. Went to see a sports psychologist and like had the on a phenomenal performance at the Kern, uh, just a stitch below 700 Wilkes. And some of the things that the psychologist was telling her, and she said like it totally changed her game, by the way. The psychologist was like, it's true that you have to picture positive things. You smoke the way you do this, whatever. But you set yourself up for anxiety when you only picture you succeeding. And um, I'm, I'm big into like MMA, boxing, whatever. And these guys like George St. Pierre and them all do the same. Uh, Olympic athletes, the Russians do this, where they're like, you have to picture missing lifts, coming back and winning anyways. You have mm -hmm. to picture showing up at weigh-ins, being a stitch over, having to go spit, whatever, coming back, and then the day, and the day is. You have to picture like going, only hitting four out of eight, and you're pulling for the win, and it's more than you've ever done. And picture these, and you win anyways, and you keep coming back. And um, George St. Pierre, before a fight, he said the anxiety was incredible. Um, he can't stop compulsively thinking about it the closer he gets to the fight. And you could be ultimately humiliated in front of millions of people, knocked unconscious the whole night. And he mm -hmm. said, his sports psychologist said, it's natural. Don't, it's okay. So if you picture a bad scenario, that's fine. But you have to, out of discipline, picture you then turn it around and win. Force yourself. Don't beat yourself up that you have these thoughts. And um, he said it actually helped for when you're in the fight. If things go bad or any sport, things start going bad. It's not, if you never pictured it, you're like, oh my God, what's happening? Nothing. It's yeah. just sport. And you found out, you know, uh, I'm telling you, you end up winning, but it's just sport. These things happen. Yeah. It's easier. It gets easier the more you've done it and the more you win. And you're like, well, it's easier now to picture. But uh, it, it's true though. You know, it's, it's something you'll probably find out when you work with a sports psychologist. Yeah, I had I had started doing a lot of visualization, a lot of positive thinking, positive self-talk, um, but I had never thought of doing what you just talked about. So I'm sure I'm going to get into it with my sports psychologist, hopefully soon. But yeah, so I've been, you know, visualizing all the beautiful things that I'm going <laughs> to do on the platform. And then I missed my first squat and I was like, Shit, now what? I know. Well, this is it. We don't even know. We're like, I'm going to go three for three and then I'm going to mm -hmm. go six for six. And I'm like, yeah, but nine for nine is almost a unicorn. <laughs> for yeah. a little while, I was like, I don't even think they exist a nine for nine day. So like until you actually picture a couple things, like just it's okay. And, and uh, Marissa Inda, who's like a phenomenal competitor, she's gone, like got one squad in. And then going on and won the world championships anyway, mm -hmm. one yeah. squat, you know? So like you just get hardened. You're like, I've been here. It's okay. Mm -hmm. And in terms of affirmations, um, you know, it's, it's become an Instagram meme, but Muhammad Ali's, I am the greatest. I said that before I even knew I was. And it's because when he was just like on the way up, and Sonny Liston was the champ and he was a nobody. He would say over and over and over, I am the greatest. I am the greatest. And he's like, he didn't even believe it. He just said it so many times, like uh, he was selling himself. He didn't even believe it. 
And then eventually he actually is like, holy shit, I actually am the greatest. <laughs> it was like, it became a self-fulfilling prophecy. We do this. We like either, we talk ourselves in and out of things constantly. You know, the number one, uh, you got to watch yourself talk day to day. Um, the jokes you make to put yourself down or, or whatever it is, right? You got to be careful. Um, so yeah, you'll figure it out. I love the sports psychology thing. I love reading about it, reading about athletes and talking to athletes about it. It could be a game changer. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. But um, all right, let's get back into the, uh, the nationals here. So moving into bench press, you were feeling a stitch discouraged. In the bench press event, did the things turn around for you? How are you feeling? No. Uh, <laughs> so I went into it determined to, like you said, turn things around. That's what I was telling myself. But bench has always been my weakest lift. It's always been super fickle. And I had benched 90 kilos in training before, you know, leading up to Nats. So to us, 87 and a half was a safe third. When I missed it, I was like, what, like, what is happening? Yeah, yeah. It's like nothing was going the way that I pictured it. It's at this point though. I mean, um, Tina's a phenomenal bench in 92 and a half. Oh, Obviously. Yeah. Jamie Fisher's eating her food in bench, like 103, took the American record. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really her thing too, as well. And at this point, so Inda had missed, uh, she also missed her third bench, missed her third squat, but um, Tina Tornado had not missed a single lift. And in that podcast, it's probably better you didn't listen to it because she was bumping you up. And she's like, I think Andy's the one to beat. And like, she would have been putting pressure on you. But she was downplaying herself, um, you know, dealing with some injuries here and there. She ended up having an absolutely phenomenal day. And yeah, so and it became tight. It, came, it ended up coming down to the last deadlift. If she had hit her last deadlift, you would have needed your last deadlift. She missed her last deadlift. So then you didn't need your last deadlift, but it, it got close near the end, started getting exciting and she's putting pressure on you, which is good for us as a sports fan watching it. But, um, when, when you were watching, did you see at the end of the bench, even though you had missed now a bench, or you miss a squat, you miss a bench, but you're now looking at the rest of the field and you're starting to see how the pack is starting to form? No, I think that's when I just stepped away. My husband and Max were basically like, go eat, get ready for deadlifts. And that was it. I, I stopped looking at the um, lifting cast. Were you discouraged? Did you think like, I think I'm out of Like, did you have negative thoughts on it? Or do you think I'm in the hunt, but this isn't the day I wanted? No, yeah. I definitely still felt like I was going to win. I really did. Um, but I was I was just pissed because I knew that I had, I had more. Like, you know, I had these big goals. I had this big total that I wanted to put up. So I was disappointed about that. But I, I didn't doubt that I was going to be able to pull for the win. You know, I missed my third, but we took the 190 and a half because we knew we had first locked in. Right. If I had needed, say, 187 and a half, I would have taken that. And with as close as 190 was, I I have no doubt that I would have been able to make it happen. Yeah, in terms of when Tina had that loaded, she would have been in a good position where you would have to hit your third, but you wouldn't have had to move up very much to hit your third in all honesty. So right. you could kind of see the writing on the wall, but um, it could have been dicey anyways, but um, Tina, once Tina missed her third, then the pressure, like it was already over. Uh, so you could just 
let's let's have some fun load up load up the american record let's go um yeah. so and uh it is what it is um by the time you got the deadlifts how were you feeling when you're starting off dead you feel strong you're recomp you force so you force yourself to eat because you just mentioned that you were eating before deads Uh, Joanne had told me, you know, go eat something, go eat some real food. Cause I was just eating those goo packets and I couldn't get any more food in. I, I just, I couldn't. Mm. So I was a little, I was a little bit worried about how I was going to feel going into deads. Opener felt strong despite what the commentator said. Uh, <laughs> uh, second felt good. Uh, waiting 182 and a half felt good, but at that point, I did feel some fatigue setting in. So, yeah. It's, um, yeah, when, when I'm at a, like a comp day, and, and this is common, when you have adrenaline, a little anxiety, you're not feeling hungry. So you're like, you've got to like, but you also are like exerting a lot of energy, obviously. Even though one rep max is energy, nervous energy leaves your body. Like you can't, just like your heart's going, you're trying to calm down, but you know, you were losing more energy than you would think just doing singles. And right. um, so you, you need fuel, but on the flip side, you got to force yourself to eat and you're, and you're also like not processing all the food in time either. So you need like easily digestible food too. So it's tough. Yeah. And um, that's another thing that helps the more and more you do nationals, you actually, you just expend less energy because you've been there, you know, you, it's more familiar with you. So like the, the nervous energy thing is it's big. I remember my first nationals, my first worlds. And I'm like, I feel exhausted by the end, but a lot of it is an emotional fatigue though. Like adrenaline, you only have so much. And the more you use it, like you can have big highs, but it's at a cost. I, I likened it in the previous podcast, talking to Daniel Clements, who also just won his first us nationals felt similar fatigue. He misses third YOLOing for American record. It's almost the exact same as yours. And um, he's like, I, I don't know why I was so tired. I, I'd hit that previously. And I'm like, how much nervousness were you? He's like, oh, this is, yeah, I felt it. I was like, it's yeah. almost like when you're at a video game and you have those, eat one of those power-ups and you're like, ooh, and you're like strong for a short amount of time. That's like adrenaline. It's there, but it's not for the whole day, all day for here on out till the end of the game. You got <laughs> so to learn to dial it up, dial it back when you don't need it, dial it up. Otherwise, otherwise you don't make it through the day. Yeah. yeah. It's, and it's a tough one. It's a tough mm -hmm. one to do that. Um, do you like, do you do things in between? Like are you sit it down or you listen to music to calm yourself down or what, what are you doing in between lists? Uh, sitting, trying to listen to music. Um, but almost oh it's inevitable that someone wants to talk and I'm yeah. like Man, I'm just trying to chill but I, I do my best just to kind of sit munch on something anything just sit and relax eat a good goo packet yeah a good goo packet what, what, is, what are these goo packets uh they're I think marathoners use them is that right Rory yeah, they're like a little uh, electrolyte sugar sachet. Um, it's sort of like swallowing a slug or something. I actually use them. I use them after weigh-ins as well. Um, they're, they're pretty gross, but like if you have to, if you have to get something down, it's like it's not a not a bad option. Yeah. You said it was like swallowing a slug. Yeah, yeah, they're like a like a like a gel, and they're you know sugar electrolytes. Um, they come in like little like squeezy packets. You know, you like you, like rip the top off and like squeeze it into your mouth. That's yeah, not it, not the, the most pleasant experience, I have to say. 
and the texture is like a slug. That didn't sell it on me, but if it works, you got to do what you got to do. But that was gross. I'll uh, bring you some next Welts, man. <laughs> but um, I think they're so good. Mine tasted like chocolate frosting. Oh my, that's that's way better. Oh, mine were like lime flavored or something. Okay, oh. yours sounds way better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. If it's green, it would have been like a slug. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I noticed those. Uh, yeah, endurance athletes take those like because they can't eat, eat but they need energy to keep right. going, right? Sure yeah, I had actually heard about them through Meg Scanlon. I think she had done a, a YouTube video or something when she first cut to 57 and she said that she started to use those. So I gave them a try. And I usually have a pretty nervous stomach at comps. So Same. Can't eat a lot. Same. <laughs> um, Meg actually, I think I am pretty sure, like the first time I had Meg on the podcast is going back a few years. But I think she comes from a background where she she's done like Olympic weightlifting. I think she did a marathon or half marathon or triathlon or she was like she's done it all. Like she's a Hasn't freak. Hasn't she athlete. done an Ironman? I think she might have done an Ironman. Yeah, she she's a rock star. She's so cool. Or, yeah, and I might totally be making this up, <laughs> but I think she tried out for like a show, like uh. I don't know if I, I, I don't know if I'm making this up, but let's, let's just go with it. I think she tried <laughs> out for like one of those crazy shows, like American warrior or like uh, or American Ninja warrior or um, like whatever. Like something gladiator like, or something. Is that what the other one was? American gladiator. American gladiator. Or, and there's a different one though. Also around that time, either she tried out for it or was going, was thinking about it when I had her on the podcast. Remember the rock had a show and it was like a, it, it had, or the rock had one and um it had uh kelsey horton who's a powerlifter was in there so it was Ch charity wit who's a powerlifter won it and um it was like a, it was like a fitness slash strength games but like great budget so they're doing crazy feats of strength it was, it was entertaining stuff and the rock was the host of all people which is damn cool uh yeah charity wit who's on instagram i don't know if she's still powerlift she still does the power lifts i don't know if she still competes or whatever but um she wanted I think, but I um, think Amy Lee was in that as well, right? The the untested bench presser. Um, she she did that as I think she was knocked out in the first round or something, but she was in that as well for a while. No kidding. Yeah, Megan, Meg is a absolute like genetic freak, man. Uh to come yeah. back. I've actually just pulled up her website. It's three time Iron Man, 10 time marathon. And so, okay, that's, so we, that's, uh, <laughs> we I wasn't I wasn't exaggerating, I was underselling her. <laughs> like that's insane. <laughs> um wow yeah so she would know how to recomp and get best like she after coming off of twins and doing what she did holy smokes hats off to her um yeah. that's pretty inspirational stuff uh so after you pulled your last and you missed you missed your last deadlift but you know you're the american champion did you know you were the champ before the deadlift even yeah how did that affect having to go out for an american record you know i i really hate to admit this but my, I agree with my husband. He said, if you had needed it to win, you would have finished it. And I, I firmly believe that because I remember I got it above my knees. I thought I felt up and down at my knees. So like, I don't want to say I gave up, but I didn't want to hurt myself trying yeah. to finish a pool that I wasn't sure I was even going to get that I didn't need. So yeah, I, 
I think maybe had I not known beforehand, it would have allowed me to finish the pool. In 2018, I was up against Tiffany Oliver, another great lifter. I don't know if you are familiar with her, um, for bronze. And I didn't know that she missed her deadlift before. And so I went out and I pulled 385. What is that in kilos? 175. Yeah. So I pulled 175 for bronze, but I, I didn't know that Tiffany had missed hers. So I think that element of not knowing or really feeling like you need the lift is, is beneficial for me. I know everyone's a little bit different in that regard, but your, your, your story exactly mirrors Daniel Clements. That's exactly what happened to him. Yeah. It's, it's extremely common. Um, and it's not giving up because you won. it was over as a matter of fact, like in, in point of fact, the competition part was over. You had already won. So it's, it's not given up. It's almost, here's the problem. It's because it's over and the competition is over. This becomes now an exhibition lift. What does it matter? And when that happens, the adrenaline part is a lot harder to bring back up for some people, just the record, the whatever. Okay, cool. And they could stay high and, and do it. But for other people where it's like winning was what I had in my mind, winning was everything I, I want. Yeah. We're done. I want, mm-hmm. I accomplished my number one goal. And then someone's like, Hey, do you want to add a new goal on this on the fly now that it's all over? Okay. I guess, but it's not the same. And, and that's that, uh, Daniel Clement said, same thing for me, where once I knew I had it locked up and they're like, let's be the first 66 kilo to pull 700 our, our record. And he's like, okay. And he, he went out there and he had pulled 700 before. And he's like, wasn't there. And I was like, my man, it's, um, and and maybe if it was at a local competition, all of the energy you had expended previously would have been mitigated in terms of like the nervous energy being expelled, even just in between lifts while you're sitting, your sitting heart rate is going to be higher at us raw Nats than it will be at a local meet. It's just the way it is. Right. So at the end of the day, whereas Mm -hmm. all the pressure you put on yourself for the us raw Nats was now done and you had just achieved your goal. And someone wanted to put a new big goal on you. It's like, yeah, that's, it's a tough one, man. It's uh, I, I mean, I don't, I don't knock it at all. Go ahead, Ruth. Like it, it's arguably better to not even take that deadlift to that point. Right. Because as soon as you've won the day now, and now you're preparing for Sweden. And if you pull that deadlift and you hurt yourself, suddenly your, your 13 week turnaround for Sweden gets a whole lot harder than it would have been yeah. otherwise. So like, like from a pure coaching perspective, it's, it's almost better just to, just let the clock run out. It's pretty anticlimactic, but like it's arguably the best thing to do at that point. Well, I don't know if I'd go that far, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can see that. Honestly, I can see that. Um, it's tough. I don't know if it, it's, it's a tough one. Eh? Do you let the clock run or do you give it the old college try? I don't know. But even if you're just like, give it a couple of tugs, wave to the crowd, go back and be like, that was a, I wasn't trying nothing. I was just putting a show. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't want to, I don't walk away from a fight. Um, but to Rory's point, it is true. Like for instance, Dennis Cornelius won the one twenties. He didn't get injured on his last pull, but he did get injured during the day. And he just commented saying, I, I don't, I think I'm gonna have to take some time off. I don't even think I'm going to be able to go to worlds. Like it happens. No. Um, and he won. <laughs> and, uh, so like, it's true. Like we're humans. We're, we're, bone and flesh and 
you go out there doing like an American record. Nobody's ever done that before. You know, that's the reason why it was a record. It is a, uh, it's tough. It is. There's a dicey level to it. Although, you know, on the flip side, you know, your coach and your husband could be like, you're at us raw Nats. You, you, who knows these opportunities are right here in front of you. This could be a dream come true. And if you hit this, the momentum going into worlds, you know, it's, it's a tough call. You got 60 seconds, by the way, to make this call. So it's, you know, it is what it is, but, um, how did you feel after when it's all said and done and you just realize, all right, I am the 52 kilo U S national champion. It felt amazing because, (laughs) you know, this is something that I've been working towards grind, just putting my head down and grinding for three years, you know, to get here. And, you know, like you said, it's not easy to beat anyone in the United States. And I was up against Marissa in the world champion. She had podiumed, I don't know how many times at world. So, I mean, it, it was amazing. It is amazing. I'm so excited to go to Sweden, but I honestly wish that Marissa had shown up her healthiest. It's yeah. yeah, that's the competitor in you. Mm-hmm. Um, I had Matt Gary on here and he was handling Bryce Lewis against Ashton Rouska in the 105s. And he's like, I hope Ashton's 100%. And we beat him at his 100%. And that's how mm-hmm. we want it to be. You don't, nobody ever hopes someone gets injured or miss lifts, miss weight or whatever. You want to beat him at their 100. Um, but this is sports. And things happen, right? So this is, they don't know, like this happens often too. Like in this uh, nationals, we've seen more than a few showdowns, big ones that somebody got injured, couldn't complete the day or someone missed weight, couldn't compete or this, this happens in sports. And um, actually on, on the podcast with Tina, um, she was somewhat downplaying because she felt injured coming up to it. And then um, she started gaining momentum in the last couple of weeks. And we talk in the DMs, me and Tina, fairly regularly. And um, I remember telling her, like, listen, um, you don't know what's – she's like, I don't know. And I'm not sure. I'm getting stronger right now, but uh, I don't know. And I'm like, just show up. That's almost the best advice you could almost give anybody whenever they're doubting themselves. Just show up. Mm-hmm. You're pegged for fourth. You're pegged for fifth. And you're looking at it thinking – if everyone has their best day, actually, you know what? A, a fellow Kiwi, Rory, uh, Brett was coaching me one time at a, at a nationals and I won these nationals and Brett was coaching me. And I was like, I ran through everybody's numbers and I inflate. I was like judging off their, this is such a nerd thing to do, but judging off their previous increases over six month increments. Um, this is the increase I could see on their total. So this is where I think they're going to be and blah, blah, blah. blah. So the top five should end up here. So this is what I need. And Brett's like, my brother, you were expecting everyone in the top five to have PR days in the best day possible in every single lift and every single total. He's like, that's not how sports work. He goes, just show up, do your best. And we'll take it from there. And anyone who's doubting just, you, you, you knock, show up to the plate and swing that bat. And, uh, and Tina did, and look at, she ended up taking like a, having a PR total and, you know, taking a silver medal. And she's like, Oh my God, I can't, I'm so happy that I, you know, like she had, she had some personal issues where she might not shown, but it just goes to show like, don't overanalyze too much. You don't know what's going to happen with everybody. That's the beauty of sports, isn't it? Right. Yeah, for sure. So, so now did you, how much time did you take before you started thinking about Sweden? 
30 minutes. Was the metal still, the metal just got put around your neck? You're like, okay, let's get ready for sweet. Um, maybe, I don't know, maybe a day or two before I was like starting to think about, okay, I need to fix this. I want to do this. I want to try this. This is my first week back to training and I'm trying to tweak a few things. So what would you pay off? What would you, what are some things that you want to fix? Like what are like, not, you know, you got to reveal trade secrets, so to speak, but um, what are some takeaways that you think you learned from this U.S. Raw Natural? Like, okay, <laughs> I'm better. I'm a better lift. I'm a better athlete now. Uh, so definitely the mental, the mental aspect is huge. I'm, you know, like I said, I'm super excited to work with this sports psychologist to see what I learn. Um, I think that's going to be a real big, a really big difference in Sweden. Um, something that we're working on uh, for my bench is I'm going to try to switch to self handoffs. Mm. Um, my husband and I train together. And so 99% of the time he gives me the handoff when we're training. And so both in December and um, in Florida, not that the handoffs were bad. It's just, I'm so used to the way my husband gives me the handoff. It throws me off. So we're going to try the self unrack, see if it works. I really hope it, really hope it does. That's a big one. Yeah. It actually, you, sorry, go ahead, Rory. Uh, uh, you mentioned there was a couple of things you changed coming into this meet. I think you said you got someone to do your white cup for the first time. Um, mm-hmm. Like, are you going to keep doing those things as well coming into Sweden? Yes. Um, Aaron Thomas is doing my nutrition. He actually just texted me this morning he's like what are you away because <laughs> I hadn't been checking in we went to Jamaica we went to his sandals so I mean I was eating desserts like for every meal I was yeah. drinking red stripe like during the day so yeah, I was like Aaron I haven't weighed myself <laughs> I don't know listen you gotta live your best life you just won, yeah, won the I'm nationals definitely, yeah I, I'd be um, drunk for a week definitely gonna keep working with Aaron <laughs> Yeah, so uh, definitely going to keep working with Aaron, work with my sports psychologist, work on the self-handoffs. Those are the big things that we're going to be taking into Sweden. Did, did you have to cut water weight? Do you do any water like loading and manipulation leading in or do you like want to do straight up body weight at 52 kilo? No, I do some water manipulation. Okay, yeah. And I didn't have to do much. I had to do... Like one and a half kilos. That's pretty comfortable. That's not bad. Yeah. That's not bad at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when I, I we were talking about booking this and you were like, I am on the beach right now. Um, well, let's <laughs> stop. I was like, that that is exactly where I would be as soon as and you must not have wasted time because it's like a day later. How cool how quickly were you on a flight out to Jamaica? Uh let's see. So we flew back to California Friday. I competed on Thursday. We flew out Friday. And then we left for Jamaica Sunday, late Sunday. Yeah, we had, we had planned it before nationals because my husband and I had wanted to do it as an anniversary trip. And then with COVID, it it kept getting pushed back and it just worked out really well that we were able to plan it for the week after Nats. And he was basically like, you're going to win and we're going to go celebrate. 
or you're gonna not win and you get to go be drunk for a week <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you realize how much different that trip would have been if you lost or like bombed out or something like I, yeah <laughs> it would have been i have i have um i've heard podcasts of people talking about like sports or whatever and they've done the exact same thing you did schedule a vacation right afterwards and then like if it didn't go well you're like my god jamaica sucked and it was like you're in paradise <laughs> you're like i want to snap out of this but i can't stop thinking about it um so it's amazing when you win and you're like yeah i got a party like a for real party now we're going at the disco we're like you know it's a whole nother atmosphere did you yeah tell the truth did you pack your medal no no it's so funny we went and uh so we had dinner with my parents after the meet once i finally got out of anti-doping i it took me like two hours to give a sample oh (laughs) not the point uh so we went to have dinner with my parents and then uh we went and we met team ada uh joanne max meg scanlon uh tiff and sally french for some drinks and Joanne wanted to get a picture of me and Max. And she's like, where's your medal? Where's your medal? And I was like, it's, it's in the room. I don't have it. Joanne pulls hers out of her backpack. And she's like, here, put this on. <laughs> no, no, when no, my no. buddy got his black belt, he wore it for a week straight. Um, Dude. That's oh, like he like he would like he wore it home, got in the shower, like took it off, got in the shower, got out, got changed, put it back on underneath his clothes. <laughs> like you know, some, some people are like that. <laughs> I, I like if I was you, Andy, I would have had it on on the beach. I would have wore it to the disco every time we went to the park. Show it to everyone on the plane. That's like. right. I would have been like, if there's a weeding, I'm like, oh, sorry, you don't recognize me. You obviously don't follow King of the List. <laughs> I actually won um, the US Nationals 52 kilo. So if you just, we'll take a table. Um, so, but uh, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, we'll take <laughs> we'll take a bottle of your finest as well. Thank you on the house, obviously. Um, but uh, yeah, no, yeah, good for you. Um, yeah, it's got to be a huge. Like, is it is it because the U.S. Raw Nats is so close to the Worlds this year? Is it almost like on to the next one? We're already on the next mission. Yeah, definitely. It's, <laughs> it's like I got to spend a week in paradise, enjoy myself, and then right back to the grind. Were you thinking about worlds in paradise or were you thinking about what you just accomplished? Uh, not going to lie. I was already thinking about worlds. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's yeah. tough to be in the moment. I don't blame you. It's mm-hmm. tough. Have you ever been to Europe? Uh, when I was in seventh grade, the summer between seventh and eighth grade, I went to Europe. We went to Italy, France, oh, Austria. Damn. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember it really well, but I've been there, and I yeah. remember it was pretty cool. Um, Frank, man, you went there grade seven. It was a, was this a school trip? It wasn't a school trip. It was like a student ambassador program. You were as, what kind of program is this? Sounds, this is crazy. I would, how did this happen? I have so Uh, many questions all of a sudden. (laughs) I was nominated, I think by my principal or the AP. And then you had to apply, had to get some letters of recommendations from your teachers. And I can't even remember the name of the program anymore. But but yeah, it was it was super fun. It was really nice. I think there were about 20 of us that got selected to go. And then they had a group of high schoolers 
Uh-oh. And I assume they went through a similar application process. So uh, was this 20 people from your school or just from like the district, like a bigger? No, it was from the region. So I'm from El Paso, Texas. They took some from El Paso, some from Las Cruces, New Mexico. And then maybe some from Albuquerque too, which is about four hours from El Paso. So what kind of a student were you in high, in, in grade school then that you were getting chosen? Are you like, yeah, describe me, describe to me how you were in grade school. Uh, a per- perfectionist and oh. like still to this day I am. Uh, I'm working on my PhD right now. And I told my husband when I started, I don't care if I get B's in my classes. This is the last degree that I'm getting. You know, I just want to pass. And now if I get a 90 on something, I'm like, what what did I do wrong? (laughs) You're like, can we talk about this? You're talking to the prof. Can we talk about this grade? Because I need to understand. Um, How did you come to 90? Uh, Mm -hmm. No kidding. Um, so So you were obviously extremely good in school. I was, yeah. I Once I got to high school, uh, I was not as good. You know, I was more interested in partying, the things that oh. I shouldn't be doing. Uh, but elementary, middle school, I was a really good student. Um, and then in college, got back, got back to being a good student again. And did you, were you in the sports in, in grade school and high school? I was. Um, so I started with ballet and then I did volleyball softball throughout high school and then when I got my undergraduate degree I was on the university competitive dance team oh wow yeah (laughs) did you do any kind of weightlifting for any of those it doesn't sound like those are like sports where many people smash the type of weights you'd be smashing (laughs) no in in high school for volleyball we would go down to the weight room maybe once a week but none of us knew what we were doing so yeah yeah, I think I squatted like maybe three times during high school (laughs) yeah (laughs) well this is it's encouraging first off you must have good genetics like this is deep inside of you and you didn't but it's encouraging that you could pick it up like when did you start weightlifting then I started CrossFit maybe like 2014. And that's when I started like doing some weightlifting stuff. But even when I started CrossFit, I did the FemFit classes because I was of the dancer mentality. I'm like, oh, I don't want to get big muscles. You know, that doesn't look good on women. And then I started just watching some of the classes after the FemFit classes. And I was like, that looks kind of cool. So I finally, finally switched over to CrossFit and then that led me down the powerlifting road eventually. How, how old were you around this time? 2014. In my mid-20s. Ask, right? <laughs> well, this, this is in database. <laughs> yeah. Not super great at math. Uh, I was what like mid-20s, that's... I think. Seven years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm terrible at doing the math either. And I'm always- So it's, it's interesting that the, the, the first thing you said about that is that you didn't like, you didn't want to look muscular. Like how has your mindset changed from sort of 2014 starting CrossFit and FemFit and, and like coming through to, you know, USAPL champion 20, 2021? Like what, what, what's changed over that time for you? 
my thought process, my mentality regarding that has done a complete 180. Uh, in, in college, when I was on the dance team, well, even before that, when I, when I was in elementary school, I knew that my body was different than my, friend, than my friends. My shoulders were bigger. My arms were bigger. My legs were bigger. And I hated it. And I would do everything that I could to make sure that I, you know, looked skinny like all my friends. When I was on the university dance team, our coach would weigh us in front of the team and she would have us do this jiggle test. Oh you would God. have to, yeah, we would have to practice in sports bras and our dance pants and you would have to do the jiggle test. So you would have to like do, you know, do part of your dance. And if you jiggled, then you oh, had to do, yeah. My God. Mm -hmm. What the fuck? That is, yeah, <laughs> this sounds, that sounds terrible. And how old were you at the time? Uh, 19. Frig. That, that is just a recipe for yeah, all, that, that, all kinds of issues, right? Yeah. yeah. In front of everybody. In front of everybody. And she had no problem telling you that you looked fat, you've gained weight. It was, I mean, when, when you were, when I was in it, we were like, eh, you know, this is Becky. This is what Becky does. But looking back, I'm like, damn, that was really messed up. So to get to this point where I'm able to say like, hey, I love my big quads. I love my big biceps it's it's really amazing to mm. have been able to make it here and to look at girls like Chrissy Parachi and be like damn she's ripped I love it instead of thinking like you know that it's not it's not okay to look like that well things have changed even even like you know people coming up now it, it's it's different I, I remember a time so I'm I'm just about to turn 42 and um like early 2000s and around 2010 it would like women in weightlifting and like being thick two c's or whatever it is now the kids use um i'm showing my age here but friggin <laughs> like that that wasn't a thing back then like it wasn't like mm -hmm. you know you see now you go online you see these girls like small waist pretty face with a big bank or whatever they, these videos <laughs> right and you're like this is the cool I, I fucking feel like a boomer right now but this is the cool like thing now with girls that wasn't the case people don't like younger people don't realize in 2010 or s further back that wasn't it though like it, it, it's weird how trends happen it was like the runway fitness model it wasn't the instagram um, girls, it's the fitness model back then who were incredibly skinny. Almost all of them have like, you know, a lot of eating disorders involved. And that was, we, we didn't even have Instagram 2010 range. So that was what people were aspiring to, which was unattainable. And it was like, just a, you know, a whole nother deal. Now, fast forward 2021, while there's always like, there's still going to be uh, issues for sure, but, um, mm -hmm. we are in a much better place in terms of diversity with like body types. And now right. it is championed to actually be like thick thighs, save lives. You know, I, Marissa Inda actually, I think has a t-shirt, thick thighs, brown eyes. And that's one of her like uh, hashtags she uses in like the whole nine, right? Like, it's like, cool now, this is the in thing. But like, that wasn't always the case. And, um, you know, when you're 19 years old and you're literally being body shamed in front of all your peers by an adult who's an authority figure, devastating. 
Like you go home and you're like, who do you talk to about some shit like that? You're, you're, you're embarrassed to tell your parents because like, you're not going to be like, it, people say like, why don't you tell so-and-so? Because you're ashamed though. That's what shame does. It's the, the, the shame is like, you take it and you're, you're like, why don't you say something back? Because you're shamed. When you feel mm-hmm. ashamed and you get singled out in front of everybody and no one says anything. Yeah. And, and then you're like, and an authority figure does it to you fucking you like you have you have no words you're just like and then you go home and you sit with it and the impact on a on a a 19 year old who's coming from adolescence to adult is massive it's not small it's massive and you don't have someone to turn to when all your other friends are in the same pressure cooker situation and then that's when things start develop you start developing bad habits and you start believing this you know mm-hmm. you start believing what you're being told if you get told we just talked earlier about affirmations you're fat, mm-hmm. you're jiggly, you're not, you're not good enough. Your body's not good. This is you deal right. with it. Yeah. Now go home and sit with that for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brutally. It was, yeah. It, I hate to be so melodramatic, but it really, it really is traumatizing to an extent. And then when I, when I started losing more weight, like even getting into the unhealthy point I think I got down to 80 85 pounds Jesus. I, I would get compliments from a, from adults you know saying like oh you're you know you look like a model you're so thin yeah and these you know these unhealthy eating habits actually started for me when I was about 12 oh, wow. and yeah so it, it was really sparked when my parents started going through their divorce. Um, I would get help and then it would, I would go into remission for a month or two. It would come back. And like you said, back, you know, back in the early you know, 2000s in that era, no one wanted to see a girl with big muscles, big legs you know, none of my friends looked that way. And so I was obsessed with being super skinny. And then when I got to college, you know, 18, 19 years old, like you said, I have this adult telling me that I'm fat, that, you know, 105 pounds, nope, you weigh too much. It was, it was really difficult to get through. Um, And I think that's one of the reasons that I love powerlifting so much one of the reasons I love this community, you know, you're, you, you're not judged based on what you looked on, what you, you look like, you know, and, you know, women with muscles are beautiful. Marissa Inda with her awesome legs. It's, it's beautiful. Chris, Christy Parachi, Bonnie Schroeder. Yeah. 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 You know, it's, it's so amazing to be a part of this community now versus that toxic one that I was in for so long. It's um, when you talked about how it probably was triggered earlier with uh, your parents' divorce. I mean, I had on, I've had, I've had a lot of um, women on here and I've heard, I've heard a lot of similar stories. There's one, um, a podcast, I'll, I'll shoot you this one with Sophia Ellis from the UK. Phenomenal podcast and she she's she's still now in her early 20s and strong like strong as hell on the platform obviously uh, on you know on the national team but like what she's been through in her life um 
like she was she, and and coming on here like she's so brave came to talk about her story um holy smokes fucking for a second there almost got emotional but let me let me i talked to her in my dms like still to this day so her story like when i think about what happened to her is tough sometimes for me to talk about even uh because like when you know when you get to know someone and you picture it you're like that's tough but um like she was sexually assaulted when she was young and uh has gone through a lot and when you can't control things in your life um and this is a familiar theme with eating disorders you start controlling like when you're young and you don't have control parents divorce if you're sexually assaulted or very common theme you start doing things you can't control and that's food intake and it sounds mm -hmm. like why would you ever want to it becomes a control thing um even uh, a friend of mine furious pete who became like he's he's a youtuber famous youtuber and uh, millions of subscribers but he he actually the same thing when he was younger his his mom got ms and there's a whole lot of things going on in his life developed an eating disorder and it's he described it i needed control of my life when you're a child with no control it becomes like i can make my body it's it's weird it becomes a fascinated obsession i can mm -hmm. control this though and sophia ellis talks about yeah she she was hospitalized she would stick she would take a pen and uh, or a pencil, strip it down so it's just the the uh, you know it can flex with the uh, lead part, and and put it down her throat to gag and throw up. Hospitalized, she has pictures of herself in the hospital, tubes in her, the whole nine, mm -hmm. and um, you know everything she dealt with. And for her, when she found powerlifting, the exact same thing you said, where it's like, my body is more than just that. Like I am strong physically, mentally. I'm disciplined, you know, mm -hmm. I'm not judged on that. And then all of a sudden, what her, when her body started performing on the platform, um, other women were like looking up to her as a, a source of strength and inspiration. She's like, now I got a home, you know, like yeah. now. And so when you told us in the DMs, like, here's a topic maybe we could discuss. I'm like, mm -hmm. yes, Andy, <laughs> because um, you don't know how many people listen uh, a lot of people listen to this and for some people this is the first king of this podcast i listen to and there are 52 and that's why they're listening to it because oh the 52 kilo champions on and you're talking about it and it means something <laughs> believe me it means something um so no hats off to you thanks yeah um andy if there's something you could go back and say to 19 year old andy like what what would what would you want to be able to say to her I'm sorry. <laughs> no, don't be. Take, take your time. Take your time. That you're perfect the way you are. You don't have to pretend to be anybody else. And you're not the only one going through this. You're not the only one feeling this way. I remember, this, this is gonna be kind of graphic, but after hearing what Sophia has shared with you, um, I'm a little more comfortable telling you guys this. 
my mom found me throwing up one day after a meal and she told me I was disgusting. So not only did I feel like I couldn't stop, I felt like I had nobody to go to. So it, it was so hard. And so I would tell 19 year old Andy that you need to find someone that makes you feel safe. And you need to find someone that makes you feel loved. And, you know, I that person wound up being my sister um, when I was younger. Now, now it's my husband. Um, but, you know, for anyone that is going through this, you're, you're perfect. Please don't try to change who you are. You know, if you... If you're caught in this toxic environment, look at the people around you. It's not, it's not you. That's, that's big words coming from you, believe me. And um, yeah, it's further, it's, it's shame, right? When people shame you when you're at your lowest, when you feel you're the most vulnerable and someone shames you, holy shit. Give me a second here. You almost got me emotionally. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Why can't Jesus? Um, no, don't be sorry. This, these are conversations that have to be had. I have been on this podcast and I've heard, um, this is not uncommon. I've heard, uh, this, and this, these conversations are important, you know, and this is, this is a, a platform that again, like to kick it off, we were talking about how worldwide this, this podcast is. And when someone is strong as you physically and, uh, and mentally, come on here and it's like, you know what, I got a story to tell. And I think it's important. I tell it because I know this isn't uncommon, you know, and, um, and anybody who might've seen what I did and looks up to me and knows where I'm at now, I wasn't always there. And I wish, you know, sometimes they, they say, um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm fucking taking a second here. <laughs> oh! Um, be the person that you needed when you were younger. Yeah. And, uh, exactly. and, and you literally become that person now. Right. Yeah. Uh, so there it is. So that's why it's important. You come on here and you let go and you don't hold back and you just say what needs to be said exactly how you said it. Uh, very impactful. <laughs> that's a good question, Rory. <laughs> that's a good question, sir. <laughs> But uh, I mean, so this is, and there is a positive flow. You found powerlifting, you found this community. And then um, this, the slow, pro was it a slow process of turning this around? It was, um, you know, I, I'm sure other, other women that have dealt with this have told you when, when you're dealing with the, the eating disorder, you're not just dealing with the control aspect, wanting to be skinny. You're, you're dealing with the body dysmorphia, the clown mirror that a lot of people call it. So, you know, even when I started doing CrossFit, doing powerlifting, it, yeah, it, it wasn't easy. It wasn't quick, but getting more involved in the powerlifting community, seeing the way that it was cool to be a strong woman. Like, mm. it, it made me feel 
better about me. It made me feel like I could let go and be who, who I'm supposed to be. And it was, it was also really helpful to be able to see food as fuel. And it wasn't this enemy. It wasn't this thing that I had to avoid anymore. You know, even, even when I was doing CrossFit, I wasn't really doing it competitively. So, you know, if I could skip breakfast and lunch and then, you know, just have dinner, that, you know, that was great. I burned a ton of calories, but it got to the point where I didn't want to have a shitty squat session. I knew Mm. I had a big, a big deadlift to pull. So I wanted to make sure I was feeding my body correctly. That's a whole nother gift, isn't it? Yeah. You're like, this is more important now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and talking about social media, this is why like some people who, who want to make a freaking comment, you know, it's like, you're not being funny in the comment section when you say something about somebody's body or whatever, you know, like it's don't, just don't be a dick. <laughs> you know, it's, it shouldn't be hard. Just don't be a dick, man. The person yeah. you're talking to, I hate here's Okay. Kingless is good on so many ways. Like it gives people platforms uh, like we just had right now. Um, people get exposure. People get validation. I know people like, oh, you shouldn't need validation from your peers. Well, that's kind of the way it works though, huh? Is your peers like good for you? Kudos to you. You did a good job. It feels good. And um, not only that, people's stories and everything come out through it. One drawback is sometimes you'll get somebody like, you know, they say hurt people hurt people. I don't know what's going on with some people, but they show up in the comment section and they got to do like a shitty comment. And the person who's like, I made it on King of the Lifts and they're happy. And I hate when some douchebag shows up on the comment section and has to say something where it's like, you don't know that person's background. You're not necessarily just being funny. You don't know what they did before they got here. Or like, one dude, this one guy, it's a guy, his name's, uh, he's a strong man, his name's Karu. He's from uh, just outside of Russia, uh, maybe Estonia, I believe Estonia. And um, he had a monster deadlift, hats off to him, I reposted. And uh, it was like, oh, fuck, I want like, seriously, like 900 pounds or whatever. And some guy's like, what does it matter how strong you are when you look like that? You know, because he's he, like, he's, and he's like, he's fat, he's whatever. I'd rather look this way than be that fat and, and be strong like that. And Karu was like, I lost 75 pounds since I started lifting weights. And he's like, and I'm, he goes, I know I'm fat and I'm, and he's, I, it fucking killed me to hear Karu's response to say, I know I'm fat. And I jumped in like, fuck that guy, dude. Mm-hmm. You're not fat. You're one of the strongest men in the world. Don't say that, dude. Like, you don't, no, nah, you're not fat, dude. You're big, you're strong. You know, you, I, I, I was like, you're a dime piece, dude. Fuck that guy. You know, like, don't respond to a guy like that and be like, but he was like, I was 75 pounds heavier, sir. You know, I know where I'm at now. I'm not a, you know, but I was 75 pounds I lost and I'm way stronger. So like, yeah, maybe he's, he's, he's bigger now, but he's, we used to be 75 pounds bigger than that. Think that's easy like that's where like you don't know where someone is on the road man they're not just lazy or just eat a lot of food man um kills me it just yeah. kills me it's like please don't do that that's that's just not you know that's probably toughest when you're running kingless when you see some shit like that and you're like oh that's one time when i feel a little bit of guilt and people but like 
what are you going to do? That's the social media. It's not King of Lifts, it's a social media period. But right. you feel like you you put some lifters in a vulnerable situation where people come into the comments. You're like, oh, oh. <laughs> the trolls are everywhere. The trolls, what's the matter for you? <laughs> Fuck. But uh, yeah. yeah, it is what it is. But um, I mean, there's a lot of positives in this community. And um, yeah, I mean, uh, and especially like in your weight class, having someone like Marissa in, the, in her early 40s, still jacked, a physical marvel, just killing yeah. it. Uh, like I get inspired off, like, I'm, like I said, I'm 42. I think she's 44 now. And I'm like, I ain't complaining about shit. Uh, you know, when you have a woman like that, who's like had <laughs> kids, um, now we're in her 40s. And then a couple of weight classes up, you got uh, Jen Thompson, who's 48 years old massive hip surgeries and her career should have been over several times over and she's killing it just took a silver medal and um you know who knows she can maybe even go to worlds as an alternate it's all on the table still right so it's like yeah. hell yeah man you could take inspiration from that be like this is where we're at you know mm -hmm. um you just got to focus on what you need to focus on right focus right. on the positive right Andy? yeah definitely have you been on many podcasts yet no this I, I, is my first one <laughs> I, well two things. Number one, um, you're, you're fucking killing it, kid. <laughs> you're amazing podcast guest. Number one, because oh, um, you're brave as shit. Um, like you're braver than I am. Like I, everybody deals with shit and not everybody can talk about it. Um, and you can, and that is huge to be able to come onto a podcast, talk to two strangers, knowing how many people are going to see this and be like, this isn't going to be easy and leave yourself vulnerable. Huge that you could do that. Um, so hats off. And when you put yourself in the position that you did winning the U S raw nationals to be like, now I have a platform. That's big. Andy. That's big. Okay. You're using your platform already and it's been two weeks. All right. <laughs> so you made up for Jamaica, whatever, whatever sins you did in Jamaica, it's all good. <laughs> um, but it stays in Jamaica. Um, and, uh, number two, I, I got a feeling that's probably going to change because, uh, you're a phenomenal speaker. You got a hell of a story and, uh, okay. more people should be booking you because the more people that hear you, the better. Um, and, uh, yeah. So, uh, looking at let's 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 look into worlds a little bit okay <laughs> so have you been, have you paid attention to the other lifters like across the world yet or or have you not yet or are you like man i don't even want to take a look yet no i mean i've i've looked you know, <laughs> curiosity obviously right? obviously noticed no emmy uh yeah. monica hasn't posted much of anything lately yeah I don't think she's posted anything since like last year. Those are the only two 52s that I'm really familiar with. I know Sweden's, is that Sophia? Let's take a look. Let's take a little look-see because here's the thing with 2020 has made scouting a bit of a chore. Um, obviously, <laughs> Naomi, Naomi's got a 427 and a half. Um, and you're five kilo, but like, that's a five kilo where, like you said, you, you, you know, kind of YOLO'd your last dead. You're, you're basically neck and neck with Naomi. Um, and, uh, who else we got here? So 2021, then we have, um, ah, oh, that's USAPL. I'm going to pull up 2020. So yeah. So Monica dipped from Canada. I'm from Canada, by the way. 
<laughs> so Monica Dip is got a four ten and a half, and that was from early 2020. So I can only estimate um, a year and a half later. She's probably ballpark like around 10 kilo extra or whatever. So mm-hmm. around, she'll 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 be uh, hoping for a podium. And um, who knows, possibly more. We also have, uh, yeah, Steph Keen. So Steph, um, I wasn't used to seeing your name, Keen. She, she's uh, uh, Steph Pudicombe previously. She got married and changed her last name. But Steph Pudicombe got a 408. She's medal at Worlds. She's also from Canada. She's oh, okay. previously medal at Worlds as well. And um, a really good lifter. And I'm not sure though, if uh, I think her total is also, yeah, from early 2020. So who knows where she's at now? And I don't know how Canada is going to work it because our nationals got, um, we, we haven't had a nationals yet. So I'm not sure how they're going to do the team. I've made the team for like the masters. So I don't know. I don't know how they're doing the masters and I haven't competed in two years. So who the heck, cause we've been locked down like crazy in Canada. So I'm not sure. It's a bit of a question mark. We almost got to keep our, our eyes on the nominations. And then some nations too, like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Rory, but I don't even think New Zealand's going to be able to go and show up. No, we won't be sending a team at all. Which is brutal because New Zealand has some phenomenal lifters. Um, like, you guys you just really... reposted that 47, right? Yeah. She's from New Zealand? Right. Yeah, yeah Megan, Megan Lee Smith. Oh, she's yeah, outstanding. She, uh, yeah, a couple of years ago as a junior, she won the world championships and now is in the opening is absolutely killing it. And there's a, there's a few like, uh, Evie Corrigan, who's yep. a 57 kilo and her 57. Yeah, total 464 and a meet like a month ago as at 57, like absolutely killing it. And that was after only six weeks of training as well. She did a weightlifting meet before that, I think. So, and that's, that could conceivably win a world championship, obviously Brett Gibbs, uh, Tim Monogatti, like they have like potential world champions in several weight classes. None of them get to go, which is brutal. Like it'd be like, that is the toughest of the tough. Um, it kind of is what it is, but, uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting field to say the least. And, um, we'll have to pay attention to the nominations because I suspect there might be some other nations that, might have travel issues depending on, cause there's different, not to get into too much COVID talk. Cause I know people like, Oh my God, enough already. But uh, there are different variants and different spikes happening in different nations and certain nations are good. And certain nations have like, like in Canada, our vaccination rate is through the roof right now. So we've really done really well recently with our vaccination. So we don't have a lot of travel ban issues. Some nations, not so much, not so fortunate. We'll have to see how it rolls out. It's going to yeah. be an interesting year, um, but uh, holy smokes, are you going to absolutely love a world championships? <laughs> it's all like, this would be my advice to you is don't take any of it for granted and just enjoy the process because 25 years from now, you're going to be like, I was too worried to whatever and not focusing on when you show up at Sweden, they will literally have, like when we were in Sweden last time, when we came into town, bus stops had posters. The IPF World Championships are in town. There was a 20-foot on the side of the building poster of um, Isabella von Weisenberg, who was like the Swedish sensation at the World oh, Championships. Oh, that's who I was thinking of. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's like so many. There, it's it's 
it's at a, you know, it's, it's so cool to get there when you show up at the arena and there's like people of all different languages with all their different nations on their sweaters and their, their jumpsuits. And like, you're in the hotel and you go through the lobby and you're hearing all the different languages and all the different, like, and you're seeing people you see from Instagram and just soak it up and be like, this is happening. And I, who knows if I'll ever be back again, like you conceivably could several times, but you never know. Don't take it for granted. Don't get too preoccupied. Don't get too stressed. Just be like, this is fun. This is a moment, you know, like I am in a moment right now and um, it never gets old. I've been new uh, every I've I'm the commentator. So I'll see you there. Um, okay. I'm the commentator for the world championships, every single one since 2016. And I do like the, it's close to two weeks. I do every single day, uh, like six hours of live on air sports commentary every day for two weeks for the last half decade. And I, uh-huh. I shit you not. Every day I wake up and I walk into that arena and I fucking the same. I feel it. And I'm like, this, I'm blessed. Like, I don't care how tired I am. Like, this is, you feel the energy. I walk before it starts. I walk into that warm up room. And if it's the 47s, the 52s or whoever it is, and I see all the people and I'll, I'll see you and I'll give you the, what's up, how you doing? And I walk around that warm-up room, give my highs to whoever I talk to on the podcast or whatever. And I, and the weights are clanging and banging and we're on the other side of the divider. And on the opposite side of the divider, all the TV crew, there's a bit of a crowd there and we're going to go live. And I'm like, fuck, it never gets old. I describe Coachella for for meatheads, right? Like just soak it all in. It is. uh, This is the way I describe it. I got, I'm a, I got a more of a romantic view. It's like, you, you know, they talk about um, true love is like, it doesn't matter how often, how old the person gets, how often you see them, you never lose that feeling. Mm -hmm. If I do this for 25 years, I show up at those worlds. I walk into that arena. I sit down in that booth. They put those headphones on. I sit in front of the mic and the producer goes in five, four. And then he goes, and he doesn't say the last two, three. And I'm, I got that butterflies in my stomach all over again. And it never goes away. <laughs> That's it. That's where I love this fucking game. That's where I'm like, they're like, hello, man. How much longer do you want to do this? You're going to have to drag me off out of there. <laughs> you know, you have to drag <laughs> me out of that. I don't care. Um, I love it. And you, yeah, so just appreciate it. And um, we'll, 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 we'll smash some food. I'll meet your husband. We'll, uh, we'll down some drinks. I think I say it to everybody in the podcast. So I think I'm going to be drunk every day. <laughs> this is the problem. Everybody who comes on, like, we'll have some drinks. We'll celebrate whatever the hell. And I'm like, yeah, that's every day. There's a different weight class. I'm going to be drunk every day if I'm not careful, but it is what it is. You got to uh-huh. live, live for today. Tomorrow never comes. But, right. um, I have a few questions that I want to ask you also just for people to get to know you a little bit. Okay. Um, and I, th- I, s- I threw them in, uh, I don't know if you had time to think about them or if you'll just have these. I all- did and I saw them last minute. It's all good. I don't even know off the top of my head. Okay. So what is your favorite music? Uh, I have the weirdest playlist. And when, <laughs> when we lived in Oklahoma, people would hate when I played music. It'll go from Justin Bieber to Disturbed to Cruella back to Justin Bieber. So it's all over the place. Bieber's Canadian. 
what are you what are you listening to you said you try to listen to music between attempts like what are you listening to there is that just like your general playlist or have you got like specific lifting music and then specific uh, you know other music yeah i have specific lifting music it's got a lot of slipknot um, oh shit I have in there. yeah <laughs> Dude, i didn't see that coming oh <laughs> you, yeah right i like the angry stuff on lifting day or on meat day beautiful um who would be your favorite music artist probably beyonce i like justin bieber's music more but beyonce is just so badass i love her beyonce's badass let me say something about justin bieber okay and I could say this now because he's different. He's in rap. He's in the songs with like Lil Wayne and shit. So now it's okay. But there's a point where like, if you like Justin Bieber, it is like a little TVD bopper and you're a grown ass man. It looks funny. And um, I remember my nephew was like eight, eight or nine. And I'm, I'm taking him out to the movies. I'm like, what do you want to watch? And he's like, I want to watch the Justin Bieber documentary. And I was like, fuck. All right, whatever. So I watched it and the kid is mad talented. I mean, when he was eight years old, he was in a grown-up band playing drums and murdered it. Like, like he was the most talented person in the band. And this was a gigging band. Like they did gigs. He was like eight years, eight or nine. He's a child and just murdering it with adults. And um, like just mad talented. He could play the guitar. He could do all in self-taught because it just comes intuitively to this kid. And I remember leaving that documentary and my nephew's like, did you like it? And I'm like, I'm thinking, man, I actually freaking did. <laughs> like, like this, I'm not gonna, I'm like, I tell him, like, yeah, no, it's really good. But I'm thinking, man, my God, man, I, I want to go home and talk to my buddies about it, but I don't want to get like, you know, roasted at the next UFC event that we're having. But um, yeah, now I made, made you a believer, huh? Oh, <laughs> shit. And you did so well earlier, Rory, and you lost your credit <laughs> like that. I'm going to call it like I say it, man. That was disappointing. But anyways, um, all right. Uh, favorite movie? Pitch Perfect. Pitch Perfect. Wait a sec. I feel like I know it, but I can't remember. Which one is that? The one with the acapella groups. Come on, Ryan. Keep up. <laughs> acapella groups? Yeah. All right. That's it. I got to Google this right now. Pitch Perfect. Rory? Oh, yeah. I know it. I love that movie. <laughs> Are you serious? It's the best. You're pretending, pretending you're like you don't know this to like maintain your uh, MMA street cred, Ryan. No, dude, come on. Well, he Let just me... admitted he's a believer, so oh, well, listen. To, like in Pitch Perfect. Too. Oh, God, <laughs> this is true. Let me take a look. Oh man, no, I don't know. I, picture it. This is this is a franchise. Yeah, there's like three of them. <laughs> Which one's your favorite? The original. The original, yeah. Okay. The third one. Meh. <laughs> okay, okay. Oh, this has got that in a uh, Ken Kendrick. Yeah. After yes. slash, she's extremely talented. All right, mm -hmm. I remember this. All right, gotcha. I, I've actually never seen it. it. Might be good. Um, who's your favorite actor actress? Mm. I don't know. That's a tough one. Yeah. Rory, tell me yours while she's pondering this. Oh man, I've watched so many movies and I can just like never remember people's names. I'm like, oh yeah, it's that guy from the movie. Like, right, I, I let me toss this out of here. Let me toss this out of here because you guys, you guys are swinging and misses. Let me toss this out of here. Uh, it, it's close for me, but I got a few. So, so maybe, maybe I'm going to strike a chord with you guys. First off, Tom Hardy. 
heartthrob. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Murders it in every movie. Like he he rarely misses a movie for the past like since two thousand eleven. Like I he last decade has been phenomenal. Heart and he could he does like blockbusters like Mad Max and and the Batman is Bane to Loki and um, like uh, he did a he did a movie where he's in his car the entire time. I think that was Loki. It, it's a whole movie. He's in his car on the phone or whatever. And it's like two hours, never gets boring. Phenomenal. Loved it. So Tom Hardy, Leonardo DiCaprio. Huh? From Titanic. Well, okay. <laughs> you're such, you're like my little sister. She loves <laughs> Titanic. That is such a girl thing to have said, but okay, that's fine. Yes, Titanic. But in the last like while they're from, I just rewatched Blood Diamond and um and that's when he's like 31 to like now uh any uh, once upon a time on hollywood too like he's just he's so good django unchained um he's a phenomenal actor leo he rarely misses now even to when he was a kid what's eating gilbert grape i don't know if you've seen that he a kid with like special needs and he does such he's like so young he's like 14 and he has special needs in this and he does so good on it um so anyways leo revenant Okay, I could go on. It's a solid pick. You guys should start thinking about my picks and maybe using some of them, but okay. And <laughs> I thought I, of one. Okay, go. Joaquin, Joaquin Phoenix. Oh! He's great. Yeah. Nicely done, Andy. Yes. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix, um, honestly, the Joker is one of the best performances I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. If you're going to tell me right now, like, pick one performance, not just a body of work, one singular performance my god did he 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 did so good in that oh, um, yeah. i honestly felt like it like you could watch him in any scene it didn't matter what he was doing it was like riveting every time he, he's on camera you're like oh my god i'm eating this up uh mm-hmm. daniel day lewis does that as well whenever he's in movies and you're like i just can't get enough of him when he walks on another one brad pitt for me fury again once upon a time in hollywood early on not so much but now big time um, Roy, did you come up with something? Because Andy, Andy picked up. Come on, buddy. I'm drawing blanks here, man. I think you should pass me on this one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyways, and how about this? Because um, I know uh, I also feel your pain. I got to cut weight, and um, there's nothing quite like when you're cutting weight. This is something you really think about when you cut weight, and you're like, can't fucking wait for the first meal when I, I hit weight afterwards. What is your favorite meal? It's either. A cheese, uh, bacon cheeseburger or pizza. You know what? Isn't it crazy how pizza is so simplistic, but I shit you not. It's up there for me too. Yeah. It, I mean, it's like, even when it's bad, it's still good. Oh yeah. You know what? What sort, of, what sort of toppings are we talking about on this pizza? Like, describe, describe your pizza to us. Pepperoni, mushrooms, black olives. I like black olives too. You know, when I was younger, I hated black olives. Now I'm like a black olive guy. I don't know what the hell happened to me. <laughs> I'm, I've turned into, I like it. They're salty, man. They add something to it. Um, mm-hmm. It's weird. Pizza's one of those deals where like, some could be like, uh, money's not an option. Any meal you want. And I'm like, save your money. Cause I want pizza. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if it's anything, it's crazy. Pizza's phenomenal. I don't care. Um, yeah. Well, it's, and then the morning after it's chocolate chip pancakes. 
you know what? I was about to say pizza again, but yeah, that's fine. You're right. That's another good one. That's another pizza. I post you pizza can be eaten at any time, and it doesn't matter if two days pass. It almost it it tastes different, but I don't know what the <laughs> hell. There's something about day old pizza, especially if you're hungover. That's something special about it. Um, but yeah, I'm a pancake guy too, not a waffle guy. Are you 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 strike me as a waffle guy, Rory? Something off about oh, you. Something no, off yeah, about no, you. I'm 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 a waffle guy. But my, yeah, but my favorite it. meal. I knew it, you weirdo. <laughs> my favorite, my favorite meal. There's this, there's this Korean burger place in Auckland that does a does a kimchi burger with the like the wagyu patties and and kimchi cheese sauce like brioche buns. It is incredible. I fucking knew you're gonna say something uber cultured that no one's ever heard of and of course that is rory for you he'll say something i can't even pronounce it i couldn't tell what's rory's favorite meal i can't can, can you say what he just said i think you're i think you're showing your culturedness here, really <laughs> you're probably right because i eat pizza three days in a row the same pizza you're probably right sir um fair enough listen thank you for coming on andy uh we took yeah, two hours of your time and it is much appreciated um do you do coaching at all for anybody in the athletes if they're looking for it uh, I do. So I coach a couple girls from back home, but I would love, I would really love to coach more. Well, here we go. Give us your, <laughs> uh, details on how people can get your coaching services. Um, they can shoot me a DM or I can also add my email to my bio. Perfect. That's probably the best, but people just, I'll tell you what, you could do all like people, some people do websites in the whole nine. It's like, they go straight to your Instagram. That's not, that's how it works. Now, everybody who comes on coaching, it's like how best to reach you. Instagram's like that works. Trust me. Mm -hmm. You could, it's almost like a waste of money to have a website sometimes these days. Oh, yeah. um, and, and what is your Instagram? It's a N D I I I underscore Riley R I L E Y. Perfect. And um, anybody you want to thank, uh before we let you go um I, I have a lot of people that i would love to thank um my coach obviously max ada joanne ada uh, and team ada meg scanlon um jen milliken has also been my husband calls her my powerlifting big sister <laughs> so she's been super supportive the last three years so thank you jen milliken and your sister, is she a big sister, your sister in real life? Yeah, she is. She is five years older than oh, me. Damn. Don't tell don't tell her I told you. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I got in trouble earlier from Rory, so I, I get it. I got an older brother. I know you mean you're talking about her, how um, funny siblings are like your worst tormentor, but your most fierce protector at the same time when you're growing up. Like yeah. they will bully and torment you, but when you need them, they will like literally go down swinging to a crazy extent as well. Like they yeah. are your number one. It's, it's, it never stops either right through your life or, you know, sometimes anyways, Rory, uh, Rory did you have any other questions? Actually, I just forgot to give you the chance in case you did. Okay, perfect. Andy, thank you very much for coming on. Much appreciated. Thank yeah. you for your candor. I appreciate the fact that you shared your story with us and um, keep in touch. Uh, leading it to Sweden. Good luck with your training. And um, I, I will see you in Sweden at the IPF World Championships. Yeah. <laughs> Thank Talk you to guys. you later.
Have a good one. Thanks so much, Andy. Bye.